We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Raise it tackle, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast. It is still the perfect show for any and every one of you college football and NFL fans. I'm your host, Travis May, and you can find me on Twitter slash X at FF underscore Travis M. And I'm joined again by my co-host, Stefan Lico. You can find him on the X machine at Stefan Lico. That's Stay F-U-N-L-A-K-O. If you're joining us for the first time, uh, we are a college and NFL podcast. We mix fantasy football with NFL with college, and but it's really about the the, the journey from beginning to end of all the best football players in the world. We would like to dive into what makes these players special, how they're going to stand out at the next level. And this week we're going to be talking about incoming 2024 rookie quarterbacks and we'll throw some tight ends in there just for good measure. Uh, <laughs> they don't necessarily deserve their own show this year, except for maybe Brock Bowers and a couple other guys that so we'll, we'll mix those two in. And over the next couple of weeks, we are going to be uh, just going through top offensive positions and playmakers ahead of the NFL Combine. Of course, the invite list dropped this week, and so we want to tackle all the top names that are going to be there. But uh, before we do, Stefan, how are you doing, sir? Sir, you doing okay this week? Dude, it's been a – it's been a today was a rough day, I'll be honest. But right before we hit record, <clears throat> excuse me, I was like – I jumped on Twitter for a minute, and I saw the new EA college football commercial yeah. dropped. The commercial's oh, yeah. not even great, but I don't care. I was so no. excited. I was I like, <laughs> "Oh man!" And then you just started talking about like college players. So this is what I. This is how nerdy I used to be. Is I would buy, of course, the college game Ad Madden, and then I would export my draft classes every year, so of that course. I would be playing them. Like, in anyway, yeah. probably most people that listen to this podcast did the same thing. Probably <laughs> <Like> kidding. <laughs> yeah. At this point, you've you got to be a certain age to have actually done that. It's been right. so long since the game's been around. It's been like over a decade. Actually, that's crazy. Wrote, yeah, I know. I, I wrote that up earlier, uh, just just over at A, a to Z, just because uh, I, you know, started there with the college football coverage. That's college football, you know. It's it's uh, fringe college football, but <laughs> it's been over ten years, and, and yeah. it's already been three years since they announced that they're they're bringing bringing it back. Can you believe it's, it's already crazy. been three years since that announcement? So no. all these things, all these different hurdles, and. Legal issues, players, you know, threatening to hold out if they're, if they're not properly compensated or whatever for their NIL and blah, blah, blah. But it's actually finally here. So I'm excited. 
to jump into that as well. But we're not here to talk about the game, although I mean, I, we would we'll start could. a new podcast. Yeah, we'll, start a new we'll have podcast a side show for that one for our 133 team, you know, college football video game dynasty that we're going to start. <sighs> that would be fun. No, real, real talk though. Thor, uh, <laughs> okay. Thor, Thor Nystrom is doing that. Yeah, he's starting I saw like that. 100, 100 team <laughs> dynasty. As soon as that thing comes out, yeah. uh, we were talking about that when we were at the, uh, the senior bowl, just nerding out about that game. So, uh, both of us certainly excited to see uh, yeah. that come out here soon. But uh, for those of you who are wondering, hey, it's been like uh, over two weeks since you guys last recorded. Why in the world is that the case? Uh, short answer is, uh, life happens. And that's really been the case for, uh, last couple months is, uh, I've been in transition. Uh, I just started with A to Z sports. Uh, and they started in Nashville, went to, uh, Dallas and Philly, and then added eight, to eight and got up to eight NFL teams, expanded to 20 something NFL teams. Last year went completely national covering all 32 NFL teams. But this year they are adding a college football team, uh, to, of, uh, beat writers and, and things like that to cover the sport nationally and i'm heading that team up and uh, i started my first week was senior bowl week so just drinking through a fire hose uh, of like networking and player interviews and videos and uh, meeting with player agents and players and all this other stuff and just trying to figure out how to get all this content sent back to all the rest of our beat rider team on the nfl side while also planning some college football content and it's been absolutely wild and uh i haven't really had a normal week just yet uh, a couple weeks in uh, but already meeting with a few people this week to add on to that college football coverage team. So really exciting. But that leads to distractions that uh, don't get podcasts done. So, but without further ado, I think we should probably talk about some of these quarterbacks because things have been changing uh, since yeah. the senior bowl week. Lots of hype, even with like Spencer Rattler, which we'll get to, um, you know, lots of conversations where I myself and a couple of the other A to Z writers, Destin Adams, especially who heads up a lot of our draft content, got some great nuggets on JJ McCarthy, who's been kind of a name of note this week. So we'll, we'll get to that on the show, but first I want to talk about the, the kind of consensus top three quarterbacks, I think, uh, you know, before anything else. And of course I'm alluding to Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels and Drake may. And now as of this week, JJ McCarthy is trying to get into that conversation with the latest buzz. But again, we'll get to that. But as of the quarterbacks who have been the top three dating back to like November, December, January, uh, according to all the mock draft consensus, all the, the sources I've talked to, those have been the guys until just the last couple of weeks. So um, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, first off for you, Stefan, what order do you rank those guys in personally? You know what? Uh, it's Caleb Williams. Uh, for me and then it's team specific honestly I think they're pretty different quarterbacks and I think if you want to take Jaden Daniels on you have to be willing to allow him to play a certain way he loves to run the ball he's very good at running the ball and if you take that away from him what's the point so to me it's uh, depending on the team but I think both could and will be very successful uh, in the right spot so I don't know if that's a cheating answer or not, but I think it's that close that it's kind of a, whichever one ends up in the right system and they both could. And if they both end up in the right system for fantasy, give me Jaden. Okay. So last week I actually did a, uh, I released it in three segments, uh, released just the first round added, and the next day I added the second round next day I added the third round over A to Z. And so I got through the first 100 picks 
um, it was a lot of fun putting that mock together. Uh, but at the very top, it, it really seemed as I was putting things in order. Uh, and this kind of looks like this is going to happen based on the current betting odds as well. That it, the first three picks are very likely going to be quarterbacks. So let's just say hypothetically that the Chicago Bears, I'm not, we're not baking in what happens to Justin Fields here. Caleb Williams goes off the board, first pick to the Chicago Bears. Second pick comes along is the Washington Commanders. Uh, goes to Jaden Daniels, new offensive coordinator there that fits mobile quarterbacks. I think Jaden Daniels is, is the pick there to, to Washington Commanders. Pick three, New England Patriots, Drake May, North Carolina. Those three spots, let's assume those are the first three picks off the board. How would you rank the quarterbacks? I think you just did. I don't know. Okay. In that I don't order. know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, it's so hard to say, you know, for, for me, it's hard for me to, uh, to really, and I, and I know that's, that's kind of cheating, but um, I loved Drake May. Like we know this hashtag Drake amazing, like love the dude, but there's, there's something, and, and he is not like he can run, you know, like he's yeah. an athletic dude, but Jaden Daniels is, is elite in that area. Yeah. Um, and he put on, I don't know if it's enough, but he put on some size that like at least people have to slow down and give him a chance. So if he gets that chance for fantasy, I think he could be crazy good, like crazy good. Yeah, absolutely. And in his, I don't know, just incredible leap as far as deep passer this past year, it just seemed impossible. But somehow he put it together and flipped the script and was a completely different player because uh, just a year prior, like Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors at times were kind of frustrated because he wouldn't either try to hit them deep or uh, he would hesitate and, you know, that give time for the defender to catch up or, you know, he would just get nervous or whatever it is and underthrow, especially earlier in the season. But this past year, like over 13 and a half adjusted yards per pass attempt, like over 200 by the, you know, the sports references, pass efficiency mark, which is the best of all time. Uh, EPA per play numbers through the roof, like his anal analytical profile, uh, this past season was like the best passing season actually ever. Like you're just isolating from his rushing yards. And so when you add in the fact that he, you know, uh, ran for over like 1200 yards, it's this version, this past year's version. If it, if it is the real version of Jaden Daniels it seems unreal. And so, yes, he has the, the issue where uh, through his career, he, he does take a sack on about 24% of his pressures, which is not great. But that has been trending in the right direction where it got down to about 20% this year. And for mobile quarterbacks, sometimes you see a higher rate in that regard. Uh, but he was actually a, good at evading pressures when facing them overall. Like he didn't create pressures for himself anyway when you try to, you know, build it like a sack probability over expected model, which I have. And so I, I really like Jaden Daniels. And so I think to me, it's, it's clear Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, and then Drake May. But like you said, Drake May, I think a lot of people, because of how things happened this year for Drake May struggling to begin the year, got hot as soon as Devontae Walker showed up in the mix, but then kind of didn't finish strong as well. And in the meantime, he did not put up the rushing production that he did even in the year prior. So I think, I think people forget that he is, like you mentioned, that dual threat and can add value, not just with his incredible arm, but on the ground too. And so I think that's why he profiles really well so there's there's not like a clear like hey this obviously one two three except for i do think gail williams is number one but to me it's like a, a two a two b you know like situation with with daniels and and drake may it's not so much uh any kind of big gap and what they've put together in terms of resume so far 
uh, at their peaks uh, screams early first round pick in both cases. Yeah. So I have a question for you because <clears throat> you, you definitely said Caleb Williams first. So did I, but if I gave you like, I don't know how to word this correctly, but like Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels and Drake may to be like number one, like which one of these guys is going to have the best fantasy career, Caleb Williams or either one of those two guys. You know what I'm saying? Like the field. Yeah. Like Gil Williams the or the field that is Jaden Daniels and Drake. Yeah. Knight. But a field of two. Yes. A, a smaller field. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause that's kind of yeah. tough for me because to me, yeah. like I think Caleb Williams is number one, but it wouldn't shock me if either one of these guys, um, especially Jaden Daniels. Cause I think his upside is just insane. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about like building just a really basic, evenly, you know, evenly distributed probability function, like for this to be the case, like Caleb Williams, like, you know, let's just say they're even Caleb Williams would have a 50% probability. And then you split 25% and Jaden Daniels to Jaden Daniels, 25% to Drake may is he literally twice as likely, right. you know, than either one of them. And I'm not sure that that's the case. Uh, there's not yeah. that steep of a drop uh, to me, but, but he is a clear one above the other two but if i'm betting against this field of two uh, yeah. i might lean in the other direction just because the Con the konami code you know dual threat upside of a Jaden daniel is just i don't know being like the next lamar uh, right. potentially he's a little bit thinner than than he than lamar but still like <laughs> uh his profile his passing profile at its peak is was better so really intriguing um to to, to take any of them so in rookie drafts and Superflex rookie drafts, it's going to be interesting just to see like where Marvin Harrison slots in and then the next players. Like if it's going to be mm -hmm. like Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, and then these two, and then other players, or if they're going to be other players that try to get squeezed in there in most, most cases, I'm not really sure. You're already depressing me about our running back episode. <laughs> just, just thinking hey, about. We're going to have fun when we talk running backs because yeah. there are a bunch of players that are intriguing. And what's interesting about the class is there's like a half dozen guys that are going to be debatable as like, you know, Hey, this is my running back one. Hey, mm -hmm. this is no, no, you're wrong. This is my running back one. There, there's going to be a great fun conversation. We can do that next week with the running backs, but yeah. just with, with the top three, I feel like um, there's been a lot of debate over the past month, two, three. I know a lot of people in, in dynasty fantasy Twitter, and even like just people that follow the NFL and not college football, you know, you've seen the ranks. You may maybe have Googled a mock draft, um, but you know, that there's going to be a lot more conversations to be had on these, on these top three. And we will do that. But Caleb Williams, what he's done, just frankly, if you haven't been here with us all this time, he showed up, showed up at Oklahoma and in a smaller sample had like a 95th percentile passing uh, metric season uh, as, as a true freshman. And then backed it up at, you know, by transferring to USC, having two more years about the 90th, 90th percentile as well. His uh, second season being even better than the first, uh, and when you mix in, you know, what he adds, uh, you know, just making up the play as he goes, his improvisation skills, uh, you get a player that's just really fun. And I know that there's going to be a few haters here and there, a few loud NFL folks, including Merrill Hodge last week, that want to hate on Caleb Williams and just, just say that he's not what people are making him out to be. Because anytime you're quarterback one in a class, you're going to get touted as like this, you know, potential generational type player. Um, and he might be, but it's just, you know, 
I think the the true uh, valuation of Caleb lies in look. He is the clear quarterback one in this class. Is he generational? Probably not. Is he Patrick Mahomes? Nobody in the world is or ever will be. But um, you know, I can see some shades of that to his game. Uh, but th- these are the top three, I think, clearly. Um, but let's dive in to the next tier because until just a couple weeks ago, like around the senior bowl time, uh, it was kind of perceived in both mock draft spaces and real, real draft folks, conversations that I, that I had had with people who are privy to how teams value these players. It seemed like there was a kind of a tier break where, you know, maybe a team had JJ McCarthy higher, maybe a team had Bo Nix higher, maybe a, a team had Michael Penix Jr. higher, but those were the next three. J.J. McCarthy, of course, national champion. Uh, early declare, he's not an old man, unlike Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. And then you have Bo Nix, who has the record for most college football starts for a quarterback. And Michael Penix, who had the four season-ending injuries within two back-to-back elite seasons at Washington. So how do you, I know maybe it's hard for you to be objective, uh, but how do you, before we get into the J.J. McCarthy buzz from this past week, and how that might be impacting his trends and if he's going to move up to the top tier, how do you rank these three? So at this moment in time, I wish I had a lot more JJ McCarthy stock so that I could sell it in two weeks um, because I'm not buying it. Um, I think, uh, I think you can find clips of like highlights of him doing really impressive stuff. Uh, and maybe the system didn't showcase his skills uh, quite as much because it's a pretty run heavy offense. They didn't ask him to do a whole, I get it, but I'm still not a hundred percent convinced. But is he better than Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr.? I don't know. I do still definitely see him in this tier two though. I wouldn't be putting him in tier one. Bo Nix is a guy that I have been very happy to say I was wrong about because when he transferred to Oregon, I was so upset. I remember like texting you and Matt being upset because I liked Ty Thompson. I wanted him to get the shot and I was not happy that Bo Nix was coming. Like everyone knew that Bo could not win on the road. <clears throat> There's all this stuff, you know? And so I was I was 100% certain that I was that he was going to be a disappointment. And I am so glad that I was wrong because he put up incredible seasons. Like his passing efficiency, I mean, you've talked about it, uh, have been insane. Like uh, you've got your positional model here that you shared with me. And he's yes, sitting sir. there number two. He's sitting there yeah, number behind two. Behind only Jaden Daniels this past year. Right. Yeah. He was wild. So, so, so do you actually put him as your kind of quarterback four then rank him first in this next tier? So, yeah. So, and, and part of that too, is I am an Oregon Ducks fan. And so if you're asking me to pick between Knicks and Penix Jr., I'm going to take my boy. <laughs> Even the Ducks fan is not going to choose the Washington Husky over the Ducks. No, yeah, exactly. Okay. So, um, but, so then but, it goes Knicks and then, and then, then can you go with Penix or do you value McCarthy next? Oh, no, no. I have McCarthy. Sorry. I have McCarthy ahead of Knicks. Okay. So I have McCarthy, okay, McCarthy for Knicks. And then Knicks and then Penix. Okay. I got you. Sorry if I was, I was not following. I mean, along. part of me <laughs> still wants to boost Jordan Travis up to number, uh, what is it? Number five, no, number six, right ahead of, right ahead of Penix. But coming off that injury, and it would just be like me trying to make a, hot take just for the sake of doing it. So I won't, but you know me, I love, 
I loved Travis going into the year, and he had a phenomenal year until getting injured. But yeah, I um I think Penix when he's not right, when he's not healthy, uh, he starts missing throws, and you could see it in large stretches of the season, like up until the bowl game, not the bowl game, sorry, the conference championship game against the Ducks, where he had that time to rest. That last half of the Pac-12, sorry, I keep forgetting what division and conference they were in because everything's changing <laughs> on us, Travis. Everything's changing. Everything's um, changing. You mean the two? You mean the, the Pac-2 now? Yeah, the, exactly. The, the, the two, the two pack two with pack. their auto with their auto bid. Let's go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like when he's so my point is, I get worried that like he might have a long successfulish career, but unless he's healthy, like he'll start off the season well and then get banged up and play through it and be tough, but not be nearly as efficient. So, mm-hmm. but it's hard to quantify that, you know. Like it's hard to. We're not, we're more numbers guys than you know gut feeling type of guys. <laughs> so yeah, so it's a it's a weak argument is what I'm yeah. saying. But that's why I have him. It's kind of like it's the tiebreaker. That's why I kind of push him down a bit. Okay, nice. Well, I think um, so. You mentioned just ahead of uh, I might as well talk about what this is. I on on X or Twitter throughout the year I had been tracking uh, basically this kind of guardrails model that I build to kind of gauge how quarterbacks are doing in season using 16 different variables to create this kind of like QB efficiency composite score, kind of weighting these variables by how I know they impact future draft capital and hit rate in the NFL. And when you weigh 16 things together to pump out a a potential score and, you know, it shows like basically what their percentile is, um, you know, in comparison to even prior seasons, but also how, how they compare to every college quarterback in the country really is kind of fun. It kind of scales from like zero to 100 ish. Uh, Jaden Daniels actually kind of broke it this year. Like I couldn't even manually throttle his numbers to not break it. So he's way above 100. Um, Which is and Bonix actually, yeah, but Bonix actually was kind of right there too. The distribution of fast efficiency was a bit odd in general this year. But well, those uh, dudes both were throwing for 73 and 78%. Like like they were on record pace efficiency wise and completion rate wise and a whole bunch of like, it was just a weird year at the top. And it it partly has to do with the fact that this is one of the most experienced groups this past season of quarterbacks that we've ever, ever seen. It was the oldest group of quarterbacks that college football has probably ever seen in the history of the game because of the extra COVID year. And NIL, everybody choosing to stay back. Um, so yeah, the oldest bunch of all time. Um, you know, a bunch of guys right there and competing for most college football starts ever. Uh, and so you have Jaden Daniels right there on like six, his sixth year. Bo Nix, and you know, he started every year since freshman. He was five years in. Michael Penix is six years in. But then when when you think about age adjusting this kind of positional uh, quarterback production model, you have Jane Daniels first overall. Super old, Bonex, super old, Dylan Gabriel, again, super old, been starting forever. Jalen Milrow and coming back. <laughs> yeah, Jalen Milrow was actually uh really good in, in terms of like age adjusting his production. And then you have Caleb Williams at fifth. Uh, and Milrow was only there because like his splash play just boosted his profile ridiculously, and then it's down the stretch rushing production helped his overall efficiency in yards per play marks. But then you get to sixth overall in the country by this positional model, uh quarterback efficiency. Uh, composite per se and it's jj mccarthy because when you look at his overall raw volume his numbers aren't great because he didn't have to do much with with michigan but on on a per pass attempt 
per play, per rush, per everything. Uh, look at his production profile. He's an early declare quarterback this year with half the experience or less than a bunch of these guys that are right there, right up here in this tier. And yet he's right there with him analytically speaking. And so I get it because on a, on a smaller sample of passing this past season, JJ McCarthy was incredible. And now he had a couple spans where he just didn't throw touchdowns. <laughs> didn't, you know, he had one game where he was dinged up and I think he threw the ball eight times because uh, he didn't have to, but on, on the season, by the oh, numbers that, was that the matter. Game. That was the game where Harbaugh was out and they didn't run the ball in the second half. I mean, they only ran the ball yeah. in the second half. <laughs> the only pass attempt didn't actually exactly. count because it was called back on a pass interference where the yeah, defender was basically that. tackling A.J. Barner, uh, tight end oh. A.J. Barner. Uh, and, and so, but I was so glad that happened because it's like, yes, they're not going to have a pass attempt. So it's so gross. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not, not uh, 21st century football by any means, but uh McCarthy's efficiency in terms of like EPA per play was top five. Uh, and so how he controls the ball, his, his QBR was top three. Um, so it's just by a lot of measures that matter, that predict draft capital and future success, he was good. And I, I've had him as a quarterback six just for a while in the class, just because I was kind of uncertain actually how the league viewed him draft capital wise. And so I was hesitant to put him up there. But now that I know that there are multiple league sources that have him ranked very high, like as high as maybe QB2, one of our um, writers at A to Z Sports, actually, he's really tight with uh, a few teams in the league, especially with the Colts. Um, but, you know, he, over the years, he's gained some real sources, real scouts. And uh, there was one team that actually told him, look, he's we're not in position to get one of these guys, but he's like our quarterback, too, <laughs> and, and alluding to J.J. McCarthy in this class. Uh, behind, of course, only Caleb Williams. And so if if that's the case, and it's not just one team that thinks that, I think we have to consider him at, at the very least quarterback for, for in this class, if not higher. But I, I, I'm not there just yet putting him in that top tier personally, but to me it goes J.J. McCarthy, then Bo Nix, and then Michael Penix. And there's not a huge gap between Nix and Penix, but I do like the mobility of, of Nix translating to fantasy value and actually succeeding in the NFL uh, more so than I do with Penix. Penix does not do well off schedule, off platform as a passer either. Um, now, Nix didn't face any pressure <laughs> this past right. year, but but still. So I'm I'm saying a lot of things. Sorry, Stefan, but all this to say, JJ McCarthy can be four right now. Then there's actually a little break for me now, then Nix, then Penix. I'm still not sure that J.J. McCarthy is going to go uh, early first or anything. But it is interesting that also he rose to become, and I wrote this up this week as well, that he, he's now like the far away, like like runaway favorite to be picked by the Minnesota Vikings uh, for some reason this week by the betting markets. And isn't it interesting because they have like pick 11 and pick 42 so they could get him in either slot or trade up or trade down. Right. Uh, and, you know, based on what A we know. A lot of ways now. they can make it work, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, uh, where would you think? Where would you lean that he goes in an NFL draft capital right now? Because you know, you, you have the betting podcast with Ready Bet Action, and there's a lot of futures to be had right now, like the the over, over under mark for even like future quarterback selected in the first round. So, where where do you think it goes? Well, he's an interesting one, and and I think I think now was the time to bet it, right? Or actually three weeks ago was probably the time to bet it because it's only going to rise, but I think he will land in the first round, but I don't think it's early. I think he gets 
Uh, I think there's going to be um, those first three picks, those first three quarterbacks going early. There'll be a little bit of a gap. And then I think J.J. McCarthy is is close to follow. I do think he's the fourth quarterback taken, uh, but I would ha- probably have him in that 24 to 28 range. Middle, middle, back half of the middle of the, or whatever, the beginning of the end. Yeah. I could see a team moving up that really wants or, or just positioning some, themselves down or whatever it is to uh, get McCarthy in that 20 something range. And like, I'll allow the Jordan Love route, not, you know, not sitting here for three years, probably, but right. Let's hope not. Uh, a team that potentially can have him wait to not, you know, not need to start day one. I think that would benefit him just given his lack of experience versus, the, versus a lot of these guys. Uh, and to just learn from somebody who, um, you know, could get him ready to go, but uh, and, you know, not not way too long before you give him a shot. I don't think it adds a whole lot of value unless you're behind some, you know, one of the greats like Aaron Rodgers did with Jordan Love. But yeah, I, I like that in, in yeah. the twenties or something. And, and I like the idea of him waiting because to me, it's the the talent might be there, but the lack of the, the lack of need for him to show it on the field means he has fewer reps and a lot fewer reps than these other guys for all the reasons that you already pointed out. Uh, just longevity wise but he's been there short a much shorter amount of time and he wasn't putting in near as many attempts not having to read like as many defenses because they don't like they they play slow uh yeah typically so they're not even playing as many snaps a game so he could be great i think him waiting a little while like what they used to do in the nfl like could could be good for him um yeah i mean he had 170 fewer regular season pass attempts than michael Penix jr like that's wild not even you know that's just not even like the same game so, and they both played the same amount of games right yeah yeah in the end they did um but yeah and i don't even yeah what, what it is it was a little different like down the stretch in the playoffs but right uh, but yeah I, I just think also i think what really led to this in many cases was the fact that I, having been at the senior bowl and you probably if you're listening to the show you probably heard a, a, several senior bowl recaps they're just the the coaches running the practice, especially for Bo Nix and Mike, Mike, Michael Penix's team, they were not even act, asking in many cases for them to like make a bunch of huge downfield throws throughout practice. Like like it was a bit odd compared to prior seasons where there was just it felt like the uh, and this showed up in the zebras like tracking data too, like because they track spin rate, velocity, max throw, all this other stuff. Like this year's class, they clearly were not asked uh, at the Senior Bowl to make a bunch of downfield throws compared to other years. So we just didn't get to see like Knicks and Penix to just necessarily like ball out and prove themselves like on downfield accuracy and a whole bunch of stuff. And it's just different, but um, neither of them stood out as like, Oh my gosh, these guys are clear first round quarterbacks. And because they didn't, I think teams were like, mm, you know, I think McCarthy is better than them. And so um, probably helped McCarthy by just not being there. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Right. And that happens too. Um, do you think, do you think Knicks or Penix make it into the end of the first round? I don't Not at this point. Uh, that would be really surprising to me. Uh, we don't typically see five plus quarterbacks go in round one. And as many, you know, mock drafts get crazy at times and they'll throw that extra fifth, sixth, <laughs> seventh quarterback in there. Something silly. Um, it just doesn't happen. Typically, we see only like seven total quarterbacks throughout like five, six, or seven total quarterbacks in rounds one, two, and three, not just round one. So I would say that it's probably uh, three, 
or four if McCarthy does sneak in there uh, in the first round. And then we see Bo Nix and Michael Penix go somewhere day two. But I'm not sure where the next tier of quarterbacks are going to go. And if there's going to be another one that sneaks up into that Bo Nix and uh, Michael Penix tier. But we'll get to that on the other side afterward from our sponsors. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether that is friends, work, your significant other, or anyone. I think sometimes the biggest challenge for me is the relationship with myself. That is something that I have worked on with my therapist at BetterHelp over the course of the last 12 months that I have found be very beneficial. The main ones of those being learning positive coping skills to empower myself to be able to deal with certain situations in better ways than I was previously. I mentioned that relationship with myself. Having the therapy, having a therapist and having the opportunity to discuss those things has helped me start 2024 with a more positive version of myself than in previous years. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash rotoviz today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash rotoviz. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back. So Spencer Rattler, I mentioned him on, on the other side. Uh, he was at the, at the Senior Bowl. Had the opportunity to actually talk to uh, one of the representatives with his uh, uh, management company. Uh, he's with, uh, I believe, it's called Equity Sports. Same uh, same uh, group that covers um, Mad McConkey, Darius Robinson. And it's funny, I was I was talking to the guy, and then we were getting some like different like highlight shots, trying to you know get get things like that because he was he, he's actually a photographer slash a, a couple other things there. And he was telling me just Spencer Rattler uh, throughout this process is not just because like he worked for him, <laughs> but like he kind of had like the the initial um, kind of brand of, of Rattler of like what to expect, you know, because like dating back to the documentary on Netflix, like Rattler, Rattler was kind of branded as this punk kid who was just immature and had this attitude issue. And, and frankly, he was kind of alienated by Oklahoma and the fan base on the way out as he was being replaced by Caleb Williams. Um, but he was just really impressed throughout the entire process that he had gotten to know Spencer Rattler. It was just like, that's not the person that Rattler is at least now. Like that's not him mm-hmm. at all. He's clearly grown. He's clearly been through a lot. Like he was, he had the pressure of being that documentary kid, five star in his class, camera crew following him around for his entire senior year of high school. 
Yeah, insane. How would you, not you, Travis, you would be a gentleman, but how would <laughs> I have been no, in a situation I would like that? Not have, I would no. be insufferable, my yeah. dude. Like, oh my I would have been the worst. Yeah. And I, I don't know how, how anyone handles that. But after talking to th- this guy with, with his management, I, I was just more impressed with um, how he was able to impress somebody who wasn't even necessarily trying to promote the guy. Like he was, you know, he's just, he's there taking photos, talking to me about him, but just really blown away by how far um, Rattler seems to have come in terms of both his character, leadership, how he talks through scheme, uh, you know, being in three different systems throughout college, uh, transferring, uh, learning on the fly and all new weapons and still finding ways to succeed. So I'm not sure how early Rattler is going to go, but I personally am a little bit higher on him now. And to me, he is the clear kind of quarterback seven and kind of this standalone tier where he could go one way or the other. He could be in like the, the late round three discussion, like in the, you know, I don't know that Desmond Ritter kind of capital situation, not to compare them as players, but you know, where he might get a look as a starter, but not necessarily guaranteed that, that opportunity. Russell Wilson type. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. If, if things go well, cause we know he can spin it, right? Like how mm-hmm. many years has this been that since you and I were like talking about Spencer Rattler, like we thought he was going to be a first rounder. What back in 2019 at this point, Still have a lot of shares, but still have a lot of shares. Still just waiting, waiting on something to happen. Yeah. Like you couldn't sell it because it's been rough. And like, uh, it was a pretty, pretty rough fall from grace. Like, I mean, you and I both listened to the cover three podcast. And I remember the year he got replaced, like the beginning of that season, Tom Fernelli was talking about how Spencer Rattler wasn't the best quarterback on his team, let alone the best quarterback in the country. And, all of a sudden, that noise, like you said, started to grow. And and since then, he's been on the decline. So this is his first kind of – I mean, he had that five-touchdown game. Um, but like this is where the draft capital conversation is, is starting to get a little bit more positive for him. And, and for someone like myself who I still – and maybe this is to a fault, uh, but because of what we do where we do talk about recruiting so much, I still keep that – recruiting profile top of mind when I'm looking <laughs> at the draft, like it's still important to me. Um, and so he has that, like he has always been athletic. He has always been dynamic. He's always had the talent. And so it's tough. I would it's love tough to see to it. move past that. And I would love to see him because he'd be a great story just, and it would be cool to kind of see, I'm sure that you can't even find the doc- documentary anymore, but if he does succeed, it'll, it'll be cool to see like highlights from like him in high school, like, Clearly, like, you know, not necessarily having the best attitude. And and honestly, the documentary probably spun it in that direction more than they should have. Uh, But to to get into the point where he's a clear leader on the field, uh, still making mistakes, still not having the perfect profile. uh, But, you know, I don't know. He he would just be a lot of fun to see uh, succeed at this point. And his 2020 season, dating back to that year, why he got so pumped up and why many people thought he was going to be an earlier on pick is because, like, he his numbers – in terms of like his um his like uh you know pass efficiency marks uh, adjusted yards over expectation versus versus completion rate over expected and things like that when you adjust for schematic variables and things like that i have a metric called the schematic uh the scheme adjusted pass efficiency he was 94th percentile um in his first year starting by that measure and typically if you're that far up there and you have multiple seasons at that level, you're almost guaranteed first-round capital. He didn't get above that again, though, uh, since since 2020. He's 
kind of in the 80th, 70th percentile, 60th percentile, um, not moving in the right direction. But uh, he did have a fantastic senior bowl week. So uh, if he gets round three capital, I'm probably going to actually, in rookie drafts, try to snag one, one, one or two more uh, shares of him if I can. More so, shares. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> we yeah. already have so many. Yeah, but before we get into some tight ends, and there are a couple elite options, at least one elite option, and a couple more with interesting upside. Before we get into those players, there are a few, just rounding out the players that are at the combine. Already, you already mentioned Jordan Travis uh, out of Florida State, Michael Pratt from Tulane, Sam Hartman out of Notre Dame, Joe Milton of Tennessee, Austin Reed, Western Kentucky, uh, Keaton Slovis uh, out of uh, 17 different schools. I was going to uh, say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Devin Leary out of uh, Kentucky. But yeah, I can't, I mean, I'm, it feels like 20 years that since uh, Keaton Slovis was the quarterback slinging it around for usc with mm -hmm. all the hype in the world hey he could be a first round pick and that was real like there were early mock drafts for the next year that he was going to be a first round pick inevitably and things just went downhill he injured his shoulder and lost a lot of the velocity on the ball and he's frankly never been the same since you know it transfers over to what pit uh, that that was a thing for a year somehow and then he goes to byu which is apparently a thing and struggled in both spots and um Still got the Shrine Bowl invite. Still got the NFL Combine invite. But it's just it's just funny to see his name still. Uh, but yeah, Devin Leary, of course, NC State to uh, Kentucky. He, of course, tore his pectoral muscle and missed a lot of time in the transfer. But yeah, so are there anybody out of that bunch? I, I kind of called this section backups with upside. You know, yeah. guys that <laughs> – is there any of that bunch besides Jordan Travis? Because you and I both believe that, uh, you know, at his peak, he's intriguing because of his mobility. He has a couple of seasons in like the 80th percentile plus pass efficiency marks. Uh, but besides Travis, Jordan Travis, that is, anyone else in this bunch that you believe could succeed if they're given the opportunity to start? Yeah. Before I answer that question, I'm going to say that the guys you mentioned, like um, Leary and uh, Slovis, I'm going to throw Sam Hartman in there. These were guys that when like they transferred and people were making all this noise about how awesome they were going to be. And Sam Hartman, remember, was – getting like dark horse Heisman buzz. Like yeah. it was ridiculous to me, like ridiculous. But the <laughs> one dude that I think could be really, really exciting is Michael Pratt. Uh, he just can do so much. And um, even in your model, like he is. Um, he pops. Yeah. He, yeah. He's up there. He's the number five uh, group of five quarterback in there, but like yeah. he's, he's ahead of guys like Drake may and Jordan Travis and, and even Quinn Ewers. Like, yeah. He's up there. So and keep in mind that's not like a one-to-one -one ranking system. Right. But, you know, G five easier schedule. But yeah, his his numbers this year just were objectively very good. Small sample. He threw even less than JJ McCarthy. But yeah, it's uh <laughs> yeah, I like him. So what what do you like most about him uh specifically, you think? For for him, I I just love the dual threat nature of his game. Um Extending plays specifically, I think, is something that he excels at. Um, I was surprised, and if I was, like, maybe advising him, I would have probably told him to transfer somewhere and uh, have, like, yeah. an amazing season at Ohio State. Um, but he decided not to. I uh, probably could have made more up there. Uh, but, um, but I don't know. I just I, – I think he could – he has the tools that he will – stick around on a roster long enough to have the opportunity to pop. 
some of these other guys I don't think will. Yeah. I, I mean, Joe Milton can throw it over them there mountains. I mean, he's got a rocket arm. Uh, but it's funny, he didn't have like the longest completed pass in the country or anything, even in college football. His longest mark this year, I think, was 56 yards or something like that. Uh, a handful of other guys who had bigger plays. Like the, the idea of the guy that can throw it 90 yards is really fun. But in all practicality, like there was one player that broke 60 plus yard completion mark uh, on any play this past year for a touchdown, um, or like in the air, like air yards wise, that is. Uh, in all of college football. And so like, it's not like this frequent play that is just a game changer. Uh, just get, it gets overplayed. So if you can't consistently move the chains, if you can't consistently, you know, make the right decision um, that hurts. And so Joe Milton is, is not that dude. And so he's going to get hyped up because of, of his traits. Probably people might want to put him up in that QB seven conversation, but he just is not that he's been on, you know, he's, he lost two starting jobs. One's at, one at Michigan, one at Tennessee. Franklin should have lost it again this year to Nico Amaleava. Um, but man, you did that well. What? Nico. <laughs> oh, because I struggle with his last name and I hate getting people's names wrong. <laughs> so, but you do it with such ease. No, <laughs> like I, I'm with you on today. Yeah, that one took me a while too. <laughs> yeah. But no, with, with Joe Milton, I'm totally in lockstep with you there as well. Um, Austin Reed, like I could see him kind of having a similar, like, wasn't Bailey Zappi also a Western Kentucky guy? Yeah. Yeah. Di- I mean, a little different, um, systems with some of the changes there, but yeah, sure. Austin Reed is still on the radar. It's cool to see a G five guy get the invite. He was a shrine bowl quarterback and the shrine bowl quarterbacks, uh, had some uh, acquaintances and, and fellow journalists that were at the shrine bowl. I could not be just with my travel schedule. Um, and getting to the senior bowl and being a dad <laughs> uh, could not get there in person this year, but the quarterback play at the shrine bowl was just, it was rough. And uh, Austin Reed was in that crew. So uh, I'll be interested to see if he can help his stock at the combine, but he's not somebody I'm, I'm very optimistic on yeah. this bunch in, in the backups that I projected backups. I listed, I am very much higher on Jordan Travis and okay on Michael Pratt, but not super interested in any of these other guys. They're, NFL, uh, NFL combine arms to, you know, keep some guys fresh. So, um, yeah, typically you see like 13, 14 quarterbacks drafted, maybe a few less, maybe a a couple more in rare cases. Like we don't see 15 that often, like 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that, like that's probably going to be what it is in terms of draft picks this year. But a lot of these guys are going to be end of end of day three and not in like a Brock Purdy kind of way. So <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. one of these guys is the next Brock Purdy, Travis? They're <laughs> not. Sorry. Speaking of Brock. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tight yeah. ends. You like that? Tight ends. Nice segue, sir. <laughs> a professional, right? There. Yeah, that was, that was very nice. Brock freaking Bowers, man. Uh, yeah, there was that picture that surfaced of him standing next to Rob Gronkowski and people like, oh, he's short, blah, blah, blah. And then there's that one picture that was like with, uh, he's standing next to, um, Marcus Rosie, Jacques Saint and, uh, Lad McConkey and, uh, like Jacques Saint, who's like six, one and change, um, because he's actually standing closer to the camera. It looks like he's actually almost taller or something than Brock Bowers. So there's all these questions about his height. Pretty certain Brock Bowers is going to come in around six, three. If he's six two and seven eighths, uh, does the world you know stop and and he, he can no longer succeed? I'm uh, moving no. him down. No, no. Oh, sorry. Who yeah. cares? We've seen what he Not can yet. do. We've watched him do it. Yeah, uh, all the time. 
I've said this a lot, but I'll say it again. Sometimes I'll forget. Like I have stats rolling around my head all the time, and I think, oh, certainly everyone already knows this. And I'll write it up three times and think, oh, you know, everyone's already seen this. But the dude actually put the most productive first three years for a college football tight end ever uh, out there. Like okay, I'll say it again: first three years, freshman, so, uh, freshman, sophomore, junior year out of college, most productive stretch of any first three years for a tight end in college football history he did that and he did on a georgia georgia offense that didn't really throw a whole lot and it's because he was their leading receiver every single one of those years as a true freshman as a sophomore and even when he missed time still was a leader this past season in receiving yards and on top of that he won the john Mackey award for being the best tight end in the freaking country not once but twice this guy is a special, special kind of prospect, way more proven than even Kyle Pitts was. Kyle Pitts had ungodly, ridiculous, like demigod athleticism and had ridiculous per game numbers in his final year, but three years of just being the best tight end in the freaking game, man. Like, oh my gosh. So uh, we've seen this coming for quite some time. He's the real deal. If it were my, if it were up to me, he would probably be off the board by pick like five. So, um, you talking NFL draft, or NFL draft, fantasy, period. fantasy. I have him like third. Like I would, yeah. I would seriously, I would seriously say Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers, and then the other quarterbacks. Like he, mm-hmm. he's he is that special for like fantasy football purposes. Um, I'm expecting great things. Um, maybe like a Sam Laporta kind of season if he, uh, or even maybe better uh, if he lands in the right spot. So, so the Bears take Caleb Williams and Brock Bowers. Huh? You into that? Uh I would yes. I mean, yes, I'm not. <laughs> yes. I'm not. I don't yeah. think he's gonna be there. I think so. I, I think that there's a few interesting spots he could go. Like, let's say quarterback, 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 one, two, three. Pick four. Let's say that that's the Cardinals still, and that's Marvin Harrison Jr. You got three quarterbacks and a wide receiver off the board. And if you think that this sounds like a fantasy draft. This is kind of like mock, mock draft consensus. Like there's not yeah. going to be a very early defensive player in this class. That's just not going to be the case this year. Then you get to the Los Angeles Chargers. Let's say the draft order actually stays this way. The Chargers, they have Gerald Everett um, and then a whole bunch of nope at tight end. They could take him at pick five. And then yeah. you get to New York Giants who have can't, Mr. Can't Stay Healthy Darren Waller and a bunch of tiny little wide receivers. Uh Brock Bowers is basically a wide receiver. They could actually go with him and have him and Waller on the field or just have him as the, you know, long-term replacement there. They could take him at six. He's already, Brock Bowers has already said he wants to be selected by the Titans. Titans probably go offensive line, but they could also go Brock Bowers. An offensive lineman who can catch. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's so many opportunities, at least three opportunities. And like you said, maybe to the Bears, maybe to the Jets. Like there's no way to me. He gets out outside the top 10 in real NFL draft capital. So yeah, I'm kind of pumped. Yeah. Oh no, it's super exciting. And I think he's going to have the, the hype of Kyle Pitts and the productive of productivity of Sam Laporta. And it's going to be fantastic. Whew. We might, I mean, we're, it's going to be tough for us to not be overselling that right now, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's true. Like, but it's February. Yeah. And everyone's going to forget that we said this anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're putting it out there, but we really do believe it. We might be insane, but that's, that should probably just be chalk at this point. 
Yeah. But, I mean, when we did our mock draft a couple of weeks ago, we took, I forget which one of us, but we took him, I think right after Marvin Harrison, I think we took him fourth then. So this has been kind of consistent for us having him as high as we do. Yeah. It'll just be interesting to me how he does at the NFL combine. I really do think he can be in the four fives. And if that's the case, the hype is not going anywhere. So yeah, the hype's not going anywhere. No, not at all. But there are other Katahdins in this class that actually exist, believe it or not. And uh, I am, I'm curious to see where they actually go in the draft. Uh, but we're probably not going to see, uh, you know, like nine tight ends go in the first three rounds like we did uh, this past year, which was uh, like a record. And we didn't see a bunch of those guys actually hit. But um, who's your tight end too, just before I kind of assume that I know who that is? Well, it's it was going to be with 100% confidence and sincerity. It was going to be Jatavian Sanders. And now I'm looking at your model <laughs> He's way down there. Um, so so I want you to talk to me about Jatavian. I'm way down there, but yeah, you gotta scroll a little bit. Um, and so it got me nervous, and uh now I'm <laughs> now I'm feeling very uncertain about things. You know, so um JT Sanders is is by the the model that I built. I build it for every single position, uh like that same kind of multi-pronged build of uh, like an efficiency composite score and really being like at the 70th percentile or so, which is where he is uh, this past season. That's not terrible. It's more of like a threshold test than, than it is an order of rankings. So any, and really most production like production tricks are, they're not like a one-to-one ranking of how you should list players. But if you fall below a certain threshold, that's when things start to get concerning. And he's most certainly not below that, that threshold and back-to-back seasons of 600 plus you know, receiving yards and an offense where he was sharing a bunch of targets with two proven yeah. offensive weapons, especially this past year and Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell, both of whom are kind of assumed to be top 50 picks this year at the wide receiver position. I'm not concerned. And I mean, we've been talking about JT Sanders for a while on the show. Uh, he, he really could have played edge rusher. He could have played tight end wide receiver, uh, Offensive or defensive line, if the dude wanted to, he I mean he, he came in with the athlete designation as a recruit as a five star, and uh, he really seriously could have played just about any way that he wanted, uh, besides like corner, <laughs> you know, like he's, that's not who he's going to be. But um, he just he, he's a ridiculous athlete, and so I think he's going to test well at the combine, and further solidify that he's the tight end two in the class. That's the short version. But he's great. Yeah, so we're on we're on the same page with that. Then that's good. Uh, yeah, I I just think he's special, and I mean I watched a bunch of Texas football because I'll be honest, I had a lot of money on them most weeks, um, and I had a future <laughs> bet on them to make the playoffs, so yeah. we had to roll with them. But uh, he was just like when he's on the field, like he he has a he is so good vertically. Um, so many tight ends, and I mean that. So is Brock Bowers, obviously. But I feel like so many tight ends are just utilized in that short to intermediate, and they don't really get the opportunity to go vertical. But he does, and it really can be a problem when safeties are trying to worry about covering the outside of the field, and he can just go right up the middle um, and make huge plays. So to me, he um, he passes the eye test for sure. And excited. I mean, like you said, he's got the recruiting profile. He's got the pedigree. And where do you think? Where do you think he ends up? Like, not where, but when do you think he ends up going? Um, I think he goes. So uh, the Bengals 
I don't have a tight end really. <laughs> you know, like this past year, Irv Smith didn't really pan out. They've got a couple of other, you know, Drew Sample and whatever his face is. Uh, Tanner Hudson was like their guy for a couple weeks, even I think. Oh, that's it's, right. I was oh using gosh. him in DFS. <laughs> oh my goodness. And so, uh, beyond just getting another offensive lineman because they have to figure out how to uh, keep Joe Burrow upright. Um, and that's probably where they go the first round. But in the second round, right now, maybe they, they move. A lot happens on draft day. But mm-hmm. as they're currently situated, it's pick 49. And I think that would be perfect. Hey, this is not a reach. And hey, it's not um, you know, a real worry that a team's going to come in and snatch him you know, well before this mark either. They could probably stay right where they are and take Jatavian Sanders at pick 49. Um, if they wanted to trade up and take him a few picks earlier, they could probably do that too. Or they could probably even trade down because there's going to be like, I think maybe a little uh, interior offensive lineman run somewhere in uh, mid to late round two. And so uh, maybe a couple of wide receivers, uh, you know, first linebackers come off the board. So they, they might be able to shuffle around and uh, get him in a couple of different spots instead. And also, I mean, really the Dolphins don't even, I mean, Durham Smythe or Smith or whatever his face is, that's their tight end. I mean, how is that a real? Like, they basically don't have an actual tight end for the Dolphins, and so they, they're around. Pick he 50. would be so fun there. Yeah, and so in that offense, paired with freaking Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, uh, that would be absurd. And so, oh, uh, let it be. You yeah, just so, spoke it into existence, and I, if anything else happens, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> sorry, 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 but yeah, I think those two spots in round two would make a whole lot of sense uh, for him to go one of those spots that would be kind of the prime position for him to land in anything crazy he could do at the combine to move up into early second round conversation late first round conversation yeah i mean he could just run like a four or five flat or whatever uh i think that would probably catch some people's eyes and uh because at his at his size he's going to come in like 250 plus you know so if he runs you know four or five (laughs) that size and as good production, you know, we could see him leap up and get taken. You know, I don't know whether it's, I don't know who would take him. I guess maybe the commanders pick 36, you know, like to replace uh, uh, Logan, whatever, what's his face? For, you Logan know, for, Thomas. Yeah, Logan Thomas, long term. Speaking even, of but, quarterbacks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, former quarterback converted to tight ends. Um, yeah, or pick 37 to the Chargers or Tennessee Titans at 38. You know, there's a few options he could go in early first, but I think the sweet spot for him is mid, mid-round mid two. But outside yeah. of him, uh, who's your next one? Because I'm curious who you would rank as your tight end three because there's going to be a lot. Of, I don't know if anybody's going to care. It's, in my nerdy circles, there's going to be a lot of debate as to who the tight end three is in the class. Um, You tell me yours. I have to think about this. Mine is Johnny Wilson, who is is not, not a, that's a tight end. That's a cheat. That's a cheat not, answer. It is not a cheat answer because at the Senior Bowl, so he was clearly um, he was playing a lot of big slot and alternating routes with uh, Kansas State tight end Ben Ben Sinat or Sinat. What I can't remember how to pronounce that off the top of my head. Followed them all year. Heard different uh, commentators say it different ways. Anyway, he was alternating routes on opposite sides of the field from big slot. Uh, with Kansas State tight end Ben Ben Sinat and uh, facing off against some safeties and uh, acting as though he was a tight end in many cases, not a wide receiver. It was like it was as if coaches specifically had asked, "Hey, we want him to line up and win in this way against this matchup this week." 
And it's not like they come over the loudspeaker and say, hey, Johnny Wilson is specifically being tested here as a tight end prospect. But I would say that um, it's all but a formality that some team is going to realize um, this guy's six foot six plus uh, 240 pounds. And uh, he he's not a wide receiver. He's a tight end. <laughs> you know, so yeah. uh, I think he needs to come a long way as a blocker. But I think he's going to be the tight end uh, that, you know, goes the Darren Waller route, you know, except converts earlier. Like when Waller was coming out of Georgia Tech, he was a wide receiver prospect, went later in the draft because he kind of wanted to stay a wide receiver prospect. But after he went to the Ravens and got tossed around a little bit, he's like, okay, I'm freaking massive. I'm just going to be a tight end. Yeah, I'll do it. Somebody, somebody needs to t- tell Johnny Wilson, you're freaking massive, dude. You're like 6'7", 240. You're a tight end now. Um, and so his long strides eat up a lot of ground. And against smaller defensive backs, they just don't stand a chance. He's a really fun mismatch nightmare. And if you imagine him as a tight end, he's a lot more sexy than a guy at wide receiver who really can't separate. Yeah, no, that's that's good. I think... So it's not a very sexy pick, but I, I guess I would go with Stover, um, Ohio State. Yeah, Cade Stover. Yeah. I had him in so many Debbie, uh, not Debbie leagues, um, C to C leagues. Just ended up with him because the value was so good. Yeah. Um, and he was productive. He was good. And mm-hmm. on a on a team where, like like you said, like we said about uh, Sanders, like there's a lot of other weapons um, in that Ohio State wide receiver tight end room, and he was able to still be uh, fairly productive. So I guess I'd go with Cade, um, but I don't know what kind of draft capital he's going to get. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people think he's kind of a fringe day day two guy, and if that's the case, he'll be in the tight end three mix for sure in this class, given the a lack of locks for early round uh, draft capital. But just take a look at the other guys that are on the list that got NFL uh, combine invites, uh, just going down kind of alphabetically via last name. You have Eric all who uh, injured himself this past year for Iowa. He's not really going to participate in a lot of the NFL combine events uh, to the best of my knowledge. Then you have AJ Barner, who was the tight end two for, for Michigan uh, this past year, did pretty well at times. Did not have a great senior bowl week, but that's okay. Jaheim Bell, uh, Florida State, measured in below 6'2". That was um, surprising. Yeah, but it came in thicker than expected as well in like the 240s. He was um, the other guy I was debating between yeah. with uh, Cade and him. Yeah, and he's like this do-it-all, H-back, wildcat quarterback, tight end, wide receiver, whatever mismatch nightmare. Um, he was up and down at the senior bowl. But he 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 stuck him in like a in like a Kyle Shanahan offense. They would figure out you know how to use him, yeah. you know, like that kind of situation. And I'm not saying that you know he would garner a bunch of market share with Debo and Ayuk and Kittle there right away or whatever. But in in the right situation in a creative spot that understood what kind of weapon they were dealing with, he's very reminiscent, I think, in the right spot of like a prime career Delaney Walker. Um, so that would be. And Delaney Walker had an, an almost identical build to him and was utilized in a similar way in the back years, back few years, prime years with the Titans even. Uh, so he would be interesting. And then, of course, you got Brock Bowers. Devin Culp out of Washington, not super interested in him. He had one really good uh, sideline end zone catch from Michael, Michael Penix Jr. Uh, I believe it was in the first playoff game, maybe. Uh, you know, a couple highlight plays, but not really interested. Dallin Holker was that if you watch the Colorado-Colorado State game, 
the freaking shallow cross nightmare who just he oh, kept God. on crossing the field, crossing the field, wide open, wide open. No, no Colorado linebacker was interested in covering him. <laughs> uh, he was that guy. Uh, but he's, you know, he's maybe a, you know, a good tight end too. Theo Johnson is a freaking massive human being, by the way. I had the chance to interview him at the, uh, the senior bowl and uh, Penn state, uh, Penn state. Yeah. Theo yeah. Johnson, uh, just, just ridiculously like thick built athlete plays with ridiculously strong hands on the field. Uh, he could be in that mix. I think I have him as my tight end five or so right now, but yeah. Uh, imagine if he had a decent quarterback, how good he could have been. Oh man. That's, that's, that's a, another conversation for another day. <laughs> but, uh, Trey Knox out of South Carolina, actually a local kid uh, here from, um, uh, middle Tennessee. He was, uh, from like Murfreesboro area, uh, was a wide receiver initially at Arkansas. Turned into a tight end, transferred to South Carolina. It was okay. Um, decent, decent player, but probably a late round pick. Tanner McLaughlin, though, out of Arizona, is one of my favorite sleepers. Uh, my buddy Riley Bymaster, one of his favorite sleepers as well. Um, really pumped about uh, what he could be. I think he's, he's going to test really well and probably see his stock rise. Uh, Tip Ryman, I'm not interested at all out of uh, Illinois. Um, he's probably uh, more of a blocker at the next level. JG Sanders already talked about him. Ben Sanat out of Kansas State is in the tight end three, four, five mix. He did really well. Former walk-on, kind of the death chart at Kansas State and was productive. Uh, Brevin Span Ford, another massive human being, like six foot seven. Probably more of a blocker, but uh, he did pretty well uh, at, at times at the senior bowl. Not not dominant in one-on-one -on -one situations, but that's just not who he is. Uh, Cade Stover. Jack Westover, another walk-on turned uh, kind of low-key star for Washington. Uh, and then uh, Jared Wiley of TCU, who's one of my favorites, uh, has some really solid ball skills and was actually kind of a, a hilarious uh, interview. Uh, interviewed him and, and Brandon Coleman. He was he had to like take photos of Brandon Coleman during the interview. It was just <laughs> giving him a hard time. So I uh, want to see him succeed. But that's all the tight ends that were in invited to the NFL Combine. We'll probably talk about one or two more of those guys incoming episodes but wanted to get you know give at least the top few names a shout out on this show uh, but we'll be talking about running backs wide receivers uh, as well as a few other positions just for kicks and giggles as we approach the uh, nfl combine and shows here soon and again we'll be more consistent with shows now that uh, i've kind of settled into the gig at a to z sports and stefan is settling in with his new gig as well Never. Uh, <laughs> out, you know yeah so yeah, but uh, before we go, any any parting words for our our, uh, our good guests and uh, listeners? You know, a Who's lot of people. Me? You know, a lot of people get bummed when the Super Bowl ends because, like, yeah, it's awesome. Super Bowl is so fun, but then it's like, oh shoot, football's a long way away. Well, I just want to remind you, we have the Euros, we've got Copa America coming up. Soccer is a beautiful sport, <laughs> and Save Save hockey. <laughs> hockey is incredible too. Um, I was watching hockey with my sister. She's visiting from West Africa and she was like, this is crazy. Why don't they have more protection? Over She's a doctor. She's like, why don't they have more protection over their face? They only have a little helmet and a little eye protection. <laughs> and then two seconds later, <laughs> Nathan McKinnon got a puck right to his face. She's like, see, I told you. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. Anyway, hockey's beautiful. I love it. It is. It is. I wish the Preds were um, in real contention again, but they've been, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you should never you guys, ask me if I have any random parting words because I'll just talk for another like hour and random, a half. Random sport. <laughs> hey, this is what you, you should bet on in international soccer this week. 
Yep. Oh, we're on <laughs> but, another hot streak in soccer, by the way. So you do want to follow us. So good. Ready bet action. That's Find right, Stefan on his other show. Yeah. But uh for Stefan Leco, you can find me on Twitter uh, at FF underscore Travis M. You can find Stefan Leco at Stefan Leco on the X machine. We'll be back with many more NFL draft prospects as draft season is just kicking off now. If you want to find a lot of my written work and, and new content that I'm doing, you can check that out at A to Z Sports. That's A T O Z Sports.com. Uh, just had a 2025 NFL mock draft piece come out uh, today, looking at even a, more than a year ahead of, of time. And so, uh, a great team there, uh, always writing great stuff from uh, very serious draft takes to uh, very unserious Taylor Swift content from the Super Bowl. Whatever it is you're looking for, A to Z Sports, you can find it there. But again, thanks, Stefan. Thank you, listeners. We'll be back for another College of the Canton episode here soon. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.